Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast that was socially distanced before it was cool. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. It's fine. We're fine. Totally fine. It, it, it's fine. I, we're fine, really. <laughs> Nothing more fine in the whole world, Sarah. up on a what how long has it been a year since uh lockdown started i have rescheduled the same vacation three times <laughs> i was thinking today about how right before we went into lockdown i was really desperate to like schedule myself a vacation oh my god i remember that. <laughs> and this was already like yeah because we were in the middle because we were planning our salem trip in the fall yeah. and i'm like i'm not gonna be able to wait until the fall where else can i go this spring and i thought of it today and it was like if it wasn't for this stupid pandemic, I would have gone on three vacations, like, in this last year and a half. Well, I guess it would have been in, like, April or May. I realized, like, we were getting a stimulus check. I was like, oh, shit, Travis, like, we can plan. We can afford to go to Disneyland. So we booked it for January. And that didn't happen. And then I was like, well... We'll go in May. We'll go for May the 4th. It'll be it'll be great. And then we were like, well, I guess we're going to spend Halloween in Disneyland. <laughs> I I feel reasonably confident about the fall. I mean, we will both be vaccinated by then because um, I think our jobs and honestly, our our size as people <laughs> qualifies us. Always a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like someone was being like, fat people shouldn't get the vaccine first. They're fat. I'm like, oh. Okay, so how does that work for you then? Oh, so you you don't actually care about our health then? Yeah, because <laughs> before you said you cared about our health. And that's why you were making shitty comments, but if we don't deserve to get the vaccine, that, okay, I see. Anyway, uh, speaking of, I mean, we are actually somewhat on topic for we a change. We are, and that's, yeah, so I don't want to say this is to celebrate, this is to mark, a year it's to commemorate. In a pandemic, we're going to talk about another even worse pandemic. And this will either make you feel a lot better about coronavirus or it'll just make you feel really bad altogether. I mean, we didn't have a vaccine for the thing that we're going to be talking about, right? No, not uh, not in the Middle Ages. No. Uh, so we're talking about the Black Death in case you can't read. Yeah. And I know that you were concerned about doing this, but then I was like, as long as we're not doing like the fucking Spanish flu, I think. <laughs> See, yeah, like, cause I thought about it. Cause I'm like, I feel like for some people, like they just, they don't want to hear about disease right now. Like there's already so much of it, like in real life that it isn't fun to learn about other diseases. But I also like watch contagion, like a week into the, <laughs> a Are week you into serious? <laughs> yes. Because it like, because I had seen it in theaters and I remember it being really good. And then, of course, when the pandemic starts and we're all going to lockdown, like everyone's talking about Contagion again. And I'm like, that was a good movie. I kind of want to watch that again. <laughs> I thought about watching Carriers again. And then I was like, I can't. I don't have the I don't have the strength. It honestly, it made me feel a little bit better, not only because like the world pulls through and everything's like fine in the end. There's the miracle vaccine. It, it's fine. Um, but just like the disease itself was so comically fatal. <laughs> Like the disease and contagion, like you get like a cough and a flu, but then like you're having seizures and like throwing up and like 
it's just it's so it's over much. the top bad yeah that it kind of like i don't know it gives uh, a sort of surrealness to it that is yeah, easier I, to accept i guess i opted for um easier fare such as the halloween episode of community and uh <laughs> zombie land double tap those are better you know they, <laughs> i mean the episode of community is a fucking classic so middle ages yeah, so, okay, uh, first let's go through sources. Oh, right. Um, got a lot from History.com, Encyclopedia Britannica, Live Science, Science Mag, the CDC, uh, and, of course, Wikipedia. And I think, did I mention University of Iowa? A little bit from there. Wow. Yeah, quite a few. Well, no. I act like I did so much research. I looked at eight websites. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of websites. This is a 45-minute podcast, you guys, and we do this for free. Technically, it's an hour (laughs) podcast, but I'm going to let you do you. (laughs) All right. So, the Black Death, if you've never heard of it, was a global epidemic of bubonic plague that devastated Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and North Africa between 1346 and 1353. Let's all just take a moment to get bubonic out of our systems. Really? That's that's what you're going to latch on to? It sounds like the technical term for the machine guns that they put on the fembots in Austin <laughs> Powers. Bubonic. Yeah, I get it. The uh, six million dollar tits. <laughs> it is, or it was, It no, I think it still is, the most fatal pandemic in recorded human history, uh, killing anywhere between 75 and 200 million people worldwide. Well, that's what happens when you think things are spread by bad energy. <laughs> We'll, we'll get into that number a little bit more later. Just to, It's it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that many deaths. We're, we'll talk about it. I mean, they were probably inflating the numbers. Like some people probably died from like car crashes, but they had a cough at the same time. So, yeah, they definitely chalked it up to the Black Plague, you know, because <laughs> they want those uh, Black Plague government funding. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, the name itself is somewhat of a misnomer. It isn't actually a reference to any particular symptoms of the disease, which we will describe don't worry. Oh, good. Uh, it may actually be a mistranslation of the Latin expression atramors, which can either mean terrible or black, but you know, like black in an abstract sense. like Black in like black comedy. Yeah. Uh, according to early scholars at the University of Paris, the Black Death was created on March 20th, 1345, uh, the result of the triple conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in the 40th degree of Aquarius. Yeah, that sounds right. We'll yeah. have to have a uh, resident Canadian and... Uh, you know, crystal aunt, verify, Sadie. I mean, it just, it makes logical sense to me, of course. But I guess more recent research has shown <laughs> that the Black Death was actually caused by a bacterium known as Yersinia pestis. Uh, it is thought to have originated in Asia over 2,000 years ago. Uh, the more recent research has shown that it has existed in Europe as early as 3,000 BC. Damn. Okay. It's a hearty little bacteria i guess before we get too deep into it because this is something that's going to eat away at my mind um have you seen the new beauty and the beast i haven't seen any of the live action disney ones okay you need to see that because dan stevens you need to see aladdin because it's fucking aladdin i i just remember in the they had bell's mom die from like a big plague that hit paris but i think it might have been a different plague than this one there were several plagues We'll get into a little, like, there's, so the Black Death was, like, this big first one, 
And then in the centuries after, there were basically like there was another plague every 10 years. Yeah, I feel like this might have been like a 17, 1800s plague. So. Yeah, it, it went on for a while. Like, none of them were ever quite as bad as that first one because I think they just. Well, Snow knew what the fuck to do. Yeah. And while so many people already had already died, like there's there's not enough people <laughs> around to make up the death toll again. But like, yeah, so this. This was an ongoing issue in Europe for it was quite the, some time. It was just periodical, like, Thanosing of the European peoples. The particular strain of Yersinia pestis we're talking about today is believed to have first emerged in Mongolia around 1320. This is as much of an educated guess as anything else. Uh, so China, India, Central Asia, and Southern Russia have all been suggested as possible origins. The historians generally agree that the outbreak moved from east to west, um, and it's spread through Europe and the Middle East is fairly well documented because, you know, when the plague arrives at your city, you're going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Just jot a quick, quick note down. <laughs> uh, so in the early 19... I'm going to keep doing this the whole time. In the early 1340s, uh, there were already rumors in Europe of a great pestilence that was sweeping through China, India, Persia, Syria, and Egypt. In 1346, an army led by the Mongol king, Jani Beg, was suffered by was struck by an outbreak of plague as they lay siege to the Genoese outpit, outpost of Kaffa in what is now modern-day Crimea. So rather than let this disease deter them, it is said, uh, Yanni Beg's army began catapulting dead bodies over the walls of the city, uh, one of the first documented instances of biological warfare. I mean, uh, you, it did not go great you have. <laughs> for the people hanging out in Kaffa. Really? Uh, no. In the end, and both sides were decimated. Uh, and the survivors in Kaffa escaped by sea to Constantinople, now Istanbul, and Messina in, in Sicily. Uh, but, but by the time the docks, the ships docked in Messina, most of the sailors were already dead. They were those that were still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm it's good. Cool. <laughs> From Messina, the plague spread to Marseille and France and Tunis and North Africa and then to Rome and Florence. And then Rome and Florence, of course, being connected by so many other trade routes, just kind of took off. So it was the, really the Black Plague World Tour. Yeah. Uh, by the middle of 1348, the Black Death had struck Paris, Bordeaux, Lyon and London. So this incident, the like catapulting of the bodies into Kaffa, this is our... The, the ships arriving in Messina. This is often cited as like the moment the Black Death arrived in Europe. That is, of course, disputed. It just, it gets me that it's a bacteria and not a viral infection. Yeah, we'll talk about how it spreads a, a bit, but it can, it's a bacteria, but it does like act like a virus and that like you can catch it from other people. Mm, perfect. Okay. At least in some of its forms. So the story about the siege in Kaffa, this comes from one guy. Um, his name was Gabriel de Musi. He was not in Kaffa at the time, and his account is secondhand and uncorroborated. Okay, so this is just some dude who was like, my friend told me. Essentially. Um, it is entirely too easy to believe, uh, at least for me, that Europeans wanting to find a scapegoat for a terrible disease would create a story like this just out of whole cloth just to like place oh, the blame. Did they blame on the, the Jewish action. people again? It seems like they always blame the Jewish people. <laughs> they are going to blame the Jewish people and believe me, we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, like wanting to blame, place the blame on the monster's actions of an enemy civilization. Um, but I guess more or less, it seems like historians do believe his account is reliable. While he wasn't in Kaffa, he would have had the opportunity to speak to survivors of the siege. So generally speaking, we're just going to go with it. 
that being said, like what isn't so plausible is the idea that the Black Death came to Europe because of this one specific instance. We know the plague came to the Mediterranean via Crimea, but the refugees in Kaffa were not the only ships traveling between these two countries. Like, I am very nervous about what you were about to say. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the, there were probably more ships carrying the plague than just the ones coming from Kaffa. I mean, you probably. know what I mean? Like, those definitely helped spread the plague, but it would have gotten into Europe eventually, regardless. Yeah, I mean, that's how that works. Like, they aren't closing the borders there's so much like trade happening in between all these different cities like it would have gotten to europe at some point or the other the way this was spreading uh while the plague could be spread from person to person through the air another common method of transmission was through the bite of infected fleas and rats there we go let's both blame of which the rats were, yep <laughs> both of which were known to hitch a ride on trading ships as they traveled from one part to the next which again is just to say like this was spreading well outside of this one specific incident. I just like picturing like rats dressed as sailors, like doing like tiny sailor stuff below decks while the actual sailors are doing the same stuff above deck. You know, kind of like in a Fievel goes, uh, yeah, yeah, American Aww. Tale. It's Fievel, yeah, when they're on the boat and it's, yeah. <laughs> I was that Fievel Goes West is my favorite Fievel movie. So Yersinia pestis caused three, causes three forms of plague in humans. Uh, bubonic pneumonic and septicemic so the bubonic plague is was mo what most people probably think of when they think of the plague it is likely the most common form seen during the black death it is such named uh for the swellings in the lymph nodes known as buboes <laughs> which would pop up at the base of the neck in the armpits and near the groin uh they were terribly painful and as an, and as an added bonus oozed pus and blood cool <laughs> victims would also suffer skin damage that covered their body in dark blotches love it other symptoms include high fever headaches painful aching uh painful aching joints nausea and vomiting and sometimes even the vomiting of blood go off girl <laughs> bubonic plague has a mortality rate of 30 to 75 percent and most that's, people a, that's a big that's a big range that's because they i don't think they don't necessarily have uh i think it depends on like if you get treatment, if you don't get any treatment, they're also working off of numbers from like that, 1349 that's or whatever. percentages existed, and that's treatment in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, most who contracted it died within four to seven days after becoming infected. Well, I mean, I think I would prefer to die quickly if I had pus oozing things on my armpits and like fucked up skin. Uh, pneumonic plague was the second most commonly seen form of plague during the and Black Death. And that's the one that helps you remember mathematical equations, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, it is also an airborne disease. It attacks the lungs before the rest of the body. <laughs> Symptoms include fever, cough, blood-tinged mucus, which, as the disease progresses, becomes, as a quoting from one of my sources here, becomes free-flowing and bright red. <laughs> that's just tuberculosis. The mortality rate of pneumonic plague was 90 to 95%. Oh, God. Last but not least is septicemic plague, a deadly blood poisoning contracted primarily through the bite of an infected insect such as fleas. It was the rarest form of plague seen during the Black Death, but it was almost always fatal with a mortality rate of 99%. Yeah, blood poisonings generally you don't bounce back from. Especially not in the Middle Ages. Like, how are you going to treat that? We didn't understand blood in the Middle Ages. No. How are we going <laughs> to understand blood poisoning? Yeah, so speaking of, like, medicine as a practice was not particularly advanced during this period of time. 
germ theory was not a thing. It probably wouldn't be a thing for like another 500 years. So we had no fucking idea what was going on. Well, if I remember correctly, there was a scientist during the yellow fever times who was trying to figure out how it spread by like rubbing vomit and stuff on wounds, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. So it took a while. Yeah, germ theory is in the grand scheme of human history, germ theory is very new. (laughs) We got there, but it took a while. Uh, So absent any evidence-based treatments, uh, those looking to (laughs) prevent or even cure the plague had to resort to what can charitably charitably be described as creative solutions. Uh, One of these, um, more of a preventative measure, uh, was whipping yourself. Yeah, that'll do it. Open up sores. (laughs) Let that bacteria in. So some became flagellants, which was a group of religious zealots that traveled from town to town beating themselves and each other with heavy leather straps studded with sharp pieces of metal. I'm just thinking of fucking Paul Bettany and the Da Vinci Code. That's exactly what I think of when I think of this. Uh, They would do this three times a day for 33 and a half days, and then they would move on to the next town, and they would repeat the whole thing again. So it was like an off-Broadway show that's on tour, just like come see the whipping assholes. Yeah, just a traveling (laughs) band. Uh, So Flagellant saw the plague as a scourge from God in who, as always, has found reason to be disappointed in humanity for one reason or another. Yeah, that's usually how Probably because people are having sex. <laughs> so the idea being, like, if they scourged themselves, God would have no reason to scourge them with the plague. Sure. You can't fault their logic. I can, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, go ahead, because they were also violently anti-Semitic. Okay. <laughs> so we'll get to it. We'll talk about that in more detail later. Oh, good. Uh, so bathing yourself was not recommended during this time. Uh, and this is probably for the best because the water quality in Middle Ages was also not great. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Alternatively, it was suggested that you bathe with vinegar and rose water and, you know, which doesn't sound too bad. Vinegar's a little uh, oof, but. I just, man. They must have had just, like, tons of, like, tiny abrasions and stuff just from the hard living and the coarse hair shirts and just get a little bit of vinegar in that. I can't imagine it was pleasant. Um, It would have been better than the alternatives, uh, which was uh, your own urine or menstrual blood. Uh, I mean, urine is, it is, uh, what's the word? Sanitary? uh, Yeah, sanitary is the word that's coming to mind, but it's sterile. Sterile, that's right. I always heard it's sterile, but like once it comes out of you, it really rapidly becomes see, not sterile. You have bacteria in the in the downstairs business, and it's just the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you don't want to bathe in your own urine, uh, you could always apply a mixture of tree resin, lily roots, and human shit. Or uh, you could place a live <sighs> hen near your boobos. The the sore is not your not your other boobos uh, to draw out the pestilence, as heads are wont to do. So that's a hen, not a... So no cocks near your boobos. <laughs> no cocks near your boobos. Mm. Uh, and just in case that doesn't work, be sure you are drinking a glass of your own urine twice a day. Okay. Well, I hate all of that. I hate all of what you just said right there. <laughs> I have one more and you're not going to like it. Of course not. Other treatments involve drinking the pus of Lanced boobos, <laughs> which somehow <laughs> is the worst one on this list. <laughs> So, okay, this isn't to say that medieval physicians had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they had very little idea what they were doing. But, like, while there was no little to no scientific understanding about how the disease actually spread, like, there were enough context clues for people to know that, like, proximity probably had something to do with it. Like, if you go near a person who is sick, you might become sick yourself. They got that part. They they got close. And like regularly bathing yourself wasn't seen as like something beneficial to your health until 
I want to say like the late 1800s. Yeah, sounds about right. Because when Sylvester Graham, the graham cracker guy, (laughs) was coming up, like his diet included bathing regularly and people were like, I feel so much better. Excuse me. Oh, really? You've you cleaned all of the, the dust and grit out of your asshole and now you don't feel terrible anymore? Like, okay. Revolutionary. God. Honestly. In the Venetian-controlled port city of Ragusa, which is modern-day Dubrovnik, Cro- Croatia, uh, I can speak, uh, officials decided that any sailors arriving into town would be kept in isolation until they could prove they were not riddled with the plague. All right. I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. At first, sailors were isolated on their ship for 30 days, uh, which became known in Venetian law as a Trentino. Uh, This would later increase to 40 days and became a Quarantino, which is the origin of the word quarantine. Or a really irresponsibly big coffee. That too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So while we're here, let's talk about the plague doctor. Oh. So you've seen a depiction of this before. So this is like the doctor in an ankle length overcoat, their face. They have the weird like bird-like beak mask. There was one in uh, Haunting a Bly Manor, if you need a more recent. Actually, yeah. But they're fucking everywhere. I mean, they're not everywhere now. Like, that would be horrible. You've seen them. You've in seen them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So this costume is also often associated with the Black Death, but it actually didn't appear until centuries later. Uh, so really? the first mention can be found in a book written by a royal physician named Charles DeLorme, who mentioned that he had developed a similar outfit during the 1619 outbreak of plague in Paris. Oh, that's the one. That's the one that killed Belle's mom. (laughs) I mean, it could have been that one or it could have been the other one 10 years later. Oh, just historically, like where it lines up with the the Baroque period. Anyway, keep going. Uh, So in 1656, the first image of a plague doctor in their full garb with the beak and everything uh, was published by a German engraver named Gerhard Altsenbach. Uh, his image was then satirized by a man named Paulus First, who took Altenbach's image and added like a few a few extra elements that you'll still see in depictions today. Like he had really like claw like hands and like a pointy stick with the bat wings and like <laughs> just looking generally creepy. Just maleficenting it up a little bit. Uh, First dubbed his engraving Doctor Beaky from Rome, <laughs> which is adorable, and included how included a, a description of how the doctor does nothing but terrify people <laughs> and take money from the dead and dying. I mean, that's true. Yeah. So it's really more this like the satirized image that is kind of lingered on into modern day they weren't as scary but uh and it doesn't seem to be any evidence that they were widely adopted and they certainly weren't in the use at the time of the black death so next time you're watching a movie about the middle ages and there's a plague doctor you can point at the screen and tell your significant other how it's wrong and historically inaccurate and you'll probably get laid when was the last time you watched a movie about the Middle Ages? Just, I'm just curious, like genuine curiosity. I honestly would have no idea. I guess mine would be about an hour from now when I watched the Merlin <laughs> miniseries. There you go. So I've titled this section some truly horrifying statistics to put the death toll in perspective. Oh, good. So it's, it, is it going to be better or worse than the potential cures that you presented earlier? I, I mean, it's both are horrifying. It's this a is different more in kind an existential of terrible. way. Yeah. So in Europe, it's estimated that at minimum, one third of the population was lost to the plague. Okay. Uh, some more recent estimates put the number at 50 to 60 percent. So this really is just like a biological Thanosing. Very much so. 
Uh, mortality rates would vary from one region to the next. Uh, in crowded cities such as London, Paris, and Florence, it was not uncommon for 60% of the population to die. Damn. Uh, in England, the Black Death caused de- the depopulation or total disappearance of some 1,000 villages. Okay. <laughs> in the entire po- villages just gone. Just wiped out. Yeah. Uh, in the population of Western Europe did not reach its pre-1348 pre level for another 150 years. Okay. And this is not to say that the the death toll of the the current pandemic is not fucking terrible and shouldn't have happened. No, that is also existentially horrifying, but it's not quite at the level of of 60% of the population. Literally half of the people you know are dead now, which I don't think we can even comprehend. I, I don't I, want to, honestly. Yeah. Uh, in the Middle East, it's estimated that at least at least a third of the population was killed by the plague. Uh, in Cairo, uh, they think it wiped out um, probably 40% of the population in as little as eight months. Oh, God. And at the time, this is one of the largest cities, like, west of China. So it's said that the bodies choked the Nile. Oh, Ew. <laughs> yeah, not great. Uh, so, in fact, so many people were wiped out by the plague that some historians actually believe that it cooled the climate. By freeing oh. up land for reforestation. <laughs> well, um, they may be onto something. <laughs> I would say it's big where the disease nature is healing kind of energy. But like they do, there are some theories that it led to the little ice age, which is like this period of global cooling between the 14th and 19th centuries. Oh, so we did too much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's likely not the sole contributing factor. Like the planet was, planet was already kind of experiencing a cooling trend well before the Black Death kind of happened but the planet does go through phases of heating and cooling it's just not supposed to be um super extreme yeah no the planet naturally warms and cools uh but it currently is doing so at a rate that is not sustainable and not natural (laughs) and uh if you don't understand that basic tenet of climate change don't talk to me so the black death also brought about major economic changes like you mentioned thanos yeah, yeah. Twice the resources now. Uh, so besides an expected, expected slump in worldwide trade, the drastic depopulation meant land was suddenly plentiful, but there was no one to work it. Yeah, I was going to say, you also lose half of like your skilled workers. So there's now like half the number of blacksmiths and half the number of like, quote unquote, doctors. Yeah, and it generally resulted in higher wages uh, and increased social mobility for artisans, peasants and laborers. So like it just... I need you to stop making this sound appealing. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Like, for those who survived, probably a net benefit. Uh, but forgetting, or at least don't forget that 50% of them had to die for this to happen. I need a big purple suit and a big gold glove, and I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> and we're just going to take care of this. So you'll sometimes hear this narrative, at least for like, contemporary sources that at the time that like the plague was indiscriminate like in france which lost nearly half of its population as we've mentioned uh one chronicler wrote neither the rich the middling sort nor the pauper was secure either had each had to await god's will i will draw your attention to the edgar Allan poe story the mask of the red death (laughs) yeah and i'm like on some level this is true the plague itself did not discriminate between the wealthy and the destitute because it's bacteria and bacteria has no concept of wealth However, I feel there's a however. Yeah. As we see with COVID today and with pretty much every epidemic since the beginning of history, it's marginalized people who are at higher risk for sickness and death. Because they have fewer resources. 
fewer resources and just yeah so based on historical evidence wealthy english landowners suffered a mortality mortality rate of around 27 percent rural tenant farmers would die at rates between like 40 and 70 percent depending on where they are so very much so like the rich the rich suffered uh not as badly (laughs) there is at least one biological anthropologist her name is sharon dewitt and she's from the university of south carolina in columbia she's been doing a lot of interesting research onto this so like go look her up she got name dropped in a couple of the articles i read but she's basically been studying the skeletons of plague victims excavated from medieval cemeteries in london so like her models kind of show the same thing like Older adults, people already suffering from disease and malnutrition, both of which are common in poorer populations, Mm -hmm. were more likely to die Mm -hmm. during the Black Death. That sounds like such a cool job, though. It, God, that must be so interesting to just look at skeletons all day. (laughs) This is going to make me sound like a weirdo. I mean, we're deep, deep into it. I mean, have you listened to any of our episodes Another just kind of social aspect, of course, is uh, rampant anti-Semitism. Yep, there it which, is. Found it. <laughs> so anti-Semitism, already fairly popular in medi- medi- medieval Europe at this time. Black Death did not help matters. I can't imagine it did. So with little to no understanding of how disease actually worked and an existing tendency to make Jewish people the scapegoat for everything uh-huh. anyway. Uh-huh. Jews often took the blame for the spread of the plague and were even accused of deliberately causing it through the poisoning of wells. Not voluntarily took the blame. They weren't just like, eh, we got this one. Like, <laughs> Muslims, don't worry about it. We'll take this one. It we'll was get this one. involuntarily thrust upon them. Yeah. They were the source of blame. Yeah. Or not the source of the blame. Yeah. I don't know how to make words work. They were the, the target of the blame. Yes, thank you. Uh, Jewish communities often appeared to be less susceptible to the plague, uh, with many Christians claiming that, that they died at only half the rate. Uh, historically speaking, this is kind of hard to confirm, just because records are bad, but it is possible it was true to extent, true to an extent, but it would have been due to the sanitary practices present in Jewish law. Like I was just going to say, a lot of the, like, the Orthodox Jewish... Um, like methods and rules were put into place to like for sanitary reasons and just to keep them alive like the you know no dairy and beef at the same time like that kind of shit yeah and like the basic things like washing your hands they were cleaner people (laughs) not leaving corpses lying around not just your dirt crusted like medieval peasant this was basically akin to witchcraft in the eyes of most medieval christians uh and they reacted pretty much exactly how you would expect them to by executing a string of violent pogroms that claim thousands of lives yep that this all checks out like none of this is surprising (laughs) it's like have you ever read any history book uh, so one of the first massacres occurred in April 1348 in Provence, where the Jewish quarter of Toulon was ra- ransacked and 40 Jews were murdered in their homes. <sighs> On the 14th of February in 1349, 2,000 Jews were burnt alive during oh a massacre in Strasbourg, which, here's the kicker, hadn't even been affected by the plague yet. They just did it preemptively? Yeah. Uh, the same year in Mons, uh, the Jewish population attempted to hold off their Christian attackers only to be overwhelmed and slaughtered. 3,000 people were killed. You know, at this point, I would not blame the Jewish population if they <laughs> did revolt and, like, take over everything, like, the bank, whatever they want. Right? The they banks, should be building the, space lasers media, at this point. Like, they can have it. They they deserve it at this point. <laughs> By 1351, there had been at least 350 documented pogroms. At least 60 major and 150 minor Jewish communities had been wiped out entirely. So not only are, like, people dying 
scores of people just dying of sickness. Like we're also just killing a bunch of, yeah. Uh, so the Black Death also had a profound cult, a profound effect on culture, particularly in Europe, where art and literature turned increasingly morbid. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> Featuring lots of skulls and skeletons and depictions of death, which honestly is some of my favorite artwork. Yeah, something good came of this, I guess. Skulls on buildings. Why the fuck not? <laughs> so it's during the years following the plague that we see images such as like the dance macabre or the dance of death, uh, which features skeletons like summoning the living off to their graves. Uh, other instances of like memento mori, which is an artistic motif that generally encourage, encourages people to remember that they're going to die. And I think modern art needs more of this. Yeah, I think we need to go back to like goth art. <laughs> All right. So while the Black Death had run its course by the early 1350s, uh, the plague continued, as I mentioned, to reappear basically every couple of decades between the 14th and 17th centuries. It's like Wikipedia lists like all the dates that there were plagues in Europe. And it's literally like every 10 years for about eight years, there will be another plague. Yeah, we're, we weren't very good at controlling illnesses. No. Uh, so subsequent epidemics were never quite as severe, but still saw catastrophic death tolls. So like there was an outbreak in Italy in the early 17th century that claimed the lives of 1.7 million people, which is... That's a big number. It's not 200 million, but, you know, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of people for the time, like percentage wise of right. the population. That's a fucking lot of people. Like, yeah, we forget like how quickly the population has built up in the last hundred years or so. Just like exponentially, as you know, population tends to do. But uh, there was a third plague pandemic in the mid 19th century, uh, and this killed 10 million people in India alone. God. There was also an epidemic in San Francisco at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, this was the first in the continental United States, and it ended in 119 deaths. So you know, at least we're starting to get better at it. I guess. Sure. There are still about a thousand to three thousand cases of plague identified every year. Uh, modern sanitation and a focus on public health have helped uh, to mitigate its spread. Uh, it is treatable with antibiotics. I believe there's some sort of vaccine available. I don't think it's like regularly, like it's not a big enough problem that we need to vaccinate no, everybody. I'm, I'm asking like my flu, doctor for the plague vaccine tomorrow. Yeah, why not? Uh, there are some fears that the bacterium could develop a resistance to drugs and reemerge as a major health threat. Why would you? Why? Why? Mm. Just something to think about. I've got nothing else. I was sleeping too well. Thank you. Glad you took care <laughs> Me, of that. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This pandemic is slowly but surely on its way out. And uh, it, I might as well just think about what could happen next in terms yes. of public health crises that no one is capable of handling properly. Well, wear a mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face, <laughs> stay the fuck away from Texas. Uh, stay, yeah, stay out of Texas. Uh, maybe don't uh, get bit by a rat. Oh, yeah, the, for that plague, yes. Um, putting a lot of pressure on rats. Like, it's not their fault. It's not the bat's fault. It's just... They're just being rats. Shit it's, just happens. <laughs> it's how we handle it. Yeah, which is usually badly. But there you go. Uh God. Well, I mean, that wasn't as as horrifying as I think it could have been. 
Um, could have done without all of the various things that you could rub on your body. Mostly shit and urine-based, yes. Yes, that was mostly excretion-based, which seems counter counterproductive. It can't help. I don't think it helps to walk around covered in your own urine. I mean, people will stay away from you, which means that those are fewer people that will will contract the, the plague. It does have that benefit, so you, know, you might a, be onto something. It is a person deterrent. <laughs> Well, I, I don't really have anything else to add. That was, uh, that was a good, like, not brief, but a good, like, tight <laughs> explanation without going uh, too far into it. No, I mean, there's really, you know, there's really not too much to be said other than it was terrible and a lot of people died and it kind of changed the world. Yeah, we weren't In very many good ways. at record keeping. That's uh that's uh, my conclusion. All right. To this episode. Uh wasn't We've the been in lockdown fault. for a year. We've all hit the pandemic wall. This is my uh excuse. I don't know. I'm not crying weekly. <laughs> <laughs> you got that going for you. I don't have like my every other Wednesday appointment to like sit under my desk and cry because I want to go outside. <laughs> Almost did when we had that big snowstorm. At least the weather's nice. Oh, don't jinx it. Ish. I have yeah, had a package that has been in Memphis for two weeks. It it will never leave Memphis. You might as well just reorder it. <laughs> yeah. I Man, I wanted that jerky. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, if you have experienced the bubonic plague in any way, shape, or form, please tell us on Instagram at Afternoonified, Twitter at Afternoonified. Uh, we have getafternoonified.com where you can find old episodes, you can donate, you can buy merch. Merch is very cute. Um, merch is adorable. Go get some it merch. is. Um, what else? Remember to rate, subscribe, like, review all of all of the buttons that you can press. Yeah, wash your goddamn hands. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. I can't get believe, the vaccine as soon as you can. I can't believe the number of people who weren't washing <laughs> their hands regularly a year ago. That will never be a problem again. I'm looking at you men in their 20s. In, just in their 20s? Men between the ages of zero and like dead. <laughs> looking at you men. Men. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. We love you. love the bachelor franchise ah the romance the adventure the drama but do you also kind of hate the bachelor franchise oh yeah the sexism the racism the intense heteronormativity of it all here at date card we're just two obsessed queerdos who love to dissect talk shit and get blocked by problematic contestants yeah we're here for the good the bad and the chad of it all you can find us on soblo media itunes and spotify please Please accept accept this rose. rose For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.